Now, we learned some things the last few weeks in this un series on the unseen war. The first thing we've learned is this. There's an invisible, intelligent, organized army out there whose sole desire is to destroy us. That's true. That's truth, guys. That's real. There really is an invisible, intelligent, organized army out there whose sole purpose is to destroy you, to destroy your marriage, to destroy your relationships, to destroy your family, to destroy this church, and to destroy our nation. That's the reality of what we're dealing with. And then we learned last week about the game plan of Satan. Simply, Satan is gonna use this world to tempt our flesh so we'll destroy ourselves by our own sin. Satan is our personal intelligent enemy who's out there using our external enemy, the world as the supply house of the things he could use to tempt our flesh, those things that we wanna bite into and say, man, I want that, so that we'll destroy ourselves by our own sin. That's Satan's game plan. Now this morning, I wanna talk about the, I, I think one of the two primary weapons we have to fight against that, and that is resisting the devil. That's our primary response. It isn't about casting out demons. It's about resisting Satan. Resist means this. There's a force, a power, an energy that's coming this way, and resist means that there's a force and there's a power and an energy that's coming this way, and it's standing against and blocking or overcoming this power that's coming against me. And so our call in Scripture is to resist Satan coming against us with his stuff with a counterforce and power to ban him, to bind him from working in our lives. Listen to some scriptures that show us this. We're gonna talk about the armor in a few weeks. Take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day. We need the armor so we can resist. And that reminds me, by the way, the day I speak about the armor is the day we're gonna be having our um, table up here to answer questions. Those at home, you can join us online. That's going to be, and you'll be able to submit questions online, much like we have with business meetings. So uh, those of you that are either out of state or are still not comfortable coming back, we want you to know that, uh, that round table is gonna be online and live, and you'll be able to present questions to us as well there. I remember that because that's the day I'm speaking on the armor. We need the armor so we can resist, so we can bring a counterforce and power against what Satan's trying to do in our lives to ban him from doing that. Next verse, James 4. Submit, therefore, to God. Notice the order. The first thing we do is submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. One more passage. First Peter 5, 8, your adversary, the devil, seeking someone to devour, seeking someone to destroy, but resist him firm in your faith. So this morning, we're gonna ask, the, how do we resist Satan? Do you know in a practical way how to resist Satan? I'm gonna give you a tool today that you really should put into use every day of your life. 
So this isn't about a sermon to put notes on a piece of paper to put away someplace. My hope and prayer is that God will write upon our hearts an understanding of how we resist Satan, how we ban him from working in our lives and in our marriages and our families and in our church. And this is a tool that we're gonna be using over and over again. How do we resist Satan? And to do that, we have to go back to our foundation. We learned that the whole foundation to our spiritual warfare was in Ephesians 6.10, where he said this, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. The foundation to all warfare, we're gonna see the foundation to resisting Satan is found in that verse. Be strong in the Lord. By God's doings, we are in Christ. That means that every right, every privilege, every position, every promise, every blessing, every victory that Jesus has won is already ours. And being strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might talks about Jesus living inside of me and the very, very mighty power of Jesus being expressed through my life. So the foundation to resisting is found in those that simple little foundation that we, we talked about. So I'm gonna share with you basically our three privileges, three rights, three positions, if you will, that we have that we can use to resist Satan. And the first one is the blood of Christ. Turn to Colossians chapter two, verse 14. The blood of Christ. Colossians chapter two, verse 14. Talking about what Jesus did on the cross, he says this. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us. A certificate of debt was simply the, the, the piece of paper on which they wrote down the crimes for which a criminal was put in jail for. <laughs> and so what Jesus did at the cross is he canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, all of our sins he took to the cross. These were, this thing was hostile to us and he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities. Now you know the rulers and authorities from this series are, are the satanic spirits, the demons, wicked spirits. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him, through Jesus. There's an awesome verse. I wanna point out three things that happened at the cross of Christ. This is where the blood of Jesus was shed. This is what happened as far as our, there's so many things that happened at the cross, but this is what happened in regards to our spiritual warfare and our battle with Satan. The first thing is Satan was disarmed. His weapons were taken away from him according to the, that's what disarmed, stripped away the weapons that he had. Well, what, there's a whole host of weapons. But I think the primary one that were stripped away, but the primary one in context is a certificate of debt. That was that list of sins that was against me. I've been forgiven. So guess what? What does Satan do? 
He beats us up with guilt over our sins. Well, he's been disarmed because now when he comes at me because of my sin, I bring back to the blood of Jesus that he dealt with that at the cross. He's been disarmed from using my sin against me to beat me up with guilt. And we'll learn in a couple weeks, he's been disarmed from using sin as the ground to work in our life. So at the cross, Jesus disarmed Satan from using sin against us as one of his weapons. And then he said this, this victory at the cross was so powerful. He made a public display of them having triumphed over them through him. In that culture, uh, Roman culture was dominant at that time. And when they won a victory over their enemies, what they would do is they would disarm their enemies, take away all their weapons, strip them of all their clothes and they would march them right down through town as a public humiliation and to show just how powerfully victorious they were over this group of people. That was a practice, and that's what he said. Matter of fact, I, I, I hate to say it, but I understand a little bit of this humiliation. When I was uh, in boot camp, our, our company did something that wasn't good. And I can't even remember what it was, but what I do remember is the humiliation that came from it. Because our DI made all of us strip and walked us through the whole camp in front of every base, naked as a group. What a humiliation. You know, everybody's standing there laughing at us as we're going by, and it's like, whoa, man, this is, this is humiliating. And that's what they did with the armies that they beat. They took away, they disweaponed them, they disarmed them, they stripped them naked and walked them right down through the center of town with the general behind them celebrating the great victory we had. And that's what God is saying. That's how powerful the victory of Jesus' cross was over the satanic powers when he said, and having triumphed over them through him. A device, de decisive, overwhelming victory that God had won over the satanic forces through Jesus Christ on the cross. That's what this passage is all about. And the first weapon we have and the fact, notice that he had and has, these are already accomplished and they're done. It's done. It's already won. This victory, this overwhelming, decisive victory has already been accomplished. And that's the first right that we have as a gift is to be able to bring the victory of Jesus against the devil. Romans, or I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 12 says this. I think I have a PowerPoint on it. I'm gonna read the verse before it, then we'll come here. Revelation chapter 12. Then he said this, then I heard a loud voice and then he's speaking at that time forward in the middle of the tribulation. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down, he who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb. How did they overcome Satan? 
by the blood of the lamb. They brought the blood, the cross, the work, the disarming of Satan, the decisive victory. By faith, they brought it against them. And because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life, even when faced with death. I'm just gonna say a quick word about that last one. We don't talk, we talk a lot about the word, we talk about the blood. Is there anything we love more than Jesus? Is there anything we're not willing to die for? Do you realize that's something Satan will use against us? And he'll use it in our life? Because what these guys were is there was nothing in their life that they loved more than Jesus and they were willing to die for it. And if there's anything we're hanging on to in our life that we're unwilling to die for if it became between Jesus and that thing, that's ground Satan can use. And we're gonna talk about ground in a couple weeks. So our first privilege, our first right is the blood of Jesus Christ when we're in a battle with Satan. The second one we talked about a few weeks ago, so I'm gonna do this one real briefly, is the authority of Jesus Christ. Remember in Ephesians 1, turn back to Ephesians chapter 1. Now, we talked about at that time as you're turning, I want you to see it in the passage, that there's a difference between authority and power. Power is that energy, that force that, that you have to lift something up, you know, the energy to do something. It's the ability to, to pull something off. You know, power is the strength to do something. Authority is the legal right to command and have somebody else's strength behind me to see to it that it's carried off. See, like a policeman. He has the authority to tell that, we used this one a few weeks ago, tell that truck to stop. The truck's gonna stop because of his authority. That truck has got more power than the policeman. He can easily drive him over with his power but he knows he has the authority and if he doesn't submit to that authority, there's more power behind that policeman that he can bring to the table to be able to see to it that it's pulled off. And so authority is something we have in Christ. That means we have Jesus. He's given us the legal right to command Satan to stop his work in this situation. And it's Jesus' power that backs us. We see this in Ephesians 1. Look at this in, in verse 20 of Ephesians 1. It says this, talking about Jesus, which he, the Father, brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Now we know what the resurrection is. That, that, that's what we celebrate on Easter. When he was seated, that was the ascension. 40 days after Easter. We celebrated Easter recently. Actually coming up a week from Thursday, May 13th would be the Ascension celebration 40 days after Easter. So he's talking about the Ascension here. And he said when Jesus was raised from the dead and then he was seated, ascended with him to the right hand of God. He's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God right now, Jesus is. Where is that seating? Far above, far above, not just above, not like, you know, it's right here and he's just straight here. It's far above. It's from where this is to the highest heavens. Jesus is seated far above all rule, all heavenly and earthly 
rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, far above them in all rule and authority and power and dominion. You with me? Well, here's the amazing piece. Look at chapter two, verse six. Speaking about us now. And we were raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are in Christ. And we talk a lot about the fact that I've been raised up with Jesus, I died with We don't talk a lot about I've been ascended with Jesus. That's the basis of our victory and authority over Satan. And in Christ, right now, if you're a believer in Jesus, you are seated in the heavenlies at the right hand of the throne of God in Christ, far above, not just a little bit above, but far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come, so that now we have the legal right to use Jesus' authority against the enemy. That's the second privilege we have. First of all, it's the blood of Jesus. Then it's the authority of Jesus. And the last one is the name of Jesus. Turn to Philippians chapter two. Beautiful passage about the name of Jesus. Starting in verse six, amazing passage. I really got caught up here this morning. I kind of like to pray through the passages I'm gonna preach. And uh, this one I just got stuck on. I got stuck in worshiping and stuck in awe, just all kinds of wonderful things. Philippians 2.6, speaking of Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. What does this mean? Jesus was fully God. But he emptied himself, not of his deity, of his godhood, but he emptied himself of the independent use of all his rights and privileges he had as God. Because with Jesus, I do nothing of myself. I do it all, you know, the Father. I don't speak a word of my own. I don't do a work of my own. See, Jesus, who could have done it all himself, didn't. Because he emptied himself of all the rights he had as God being fully God, and what did he do? He humbled himself, emptied himself by becoming like us. Isn't that, you know, anybody that has a problem with pride, you gotta, God had to humble himself. How did God humble himself? By becoming like you and me. <laughs> Hope that helps you stay a little bit humble. How did God humble himself? By becoming like you and me. He became a man. And then it said this, verse eight. Being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. We're talking about the name of Jesus right now, right? 
so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. That means, uh, you know, you bow before a deity showing respect and submission to him. Every knee will bow of those who are in heaven, on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This passage said that on earth, Jesus was seen and known as a man, and he was rejected by many. In heaven, Jesus is known and seen as God, and he'll be submitted to and respected by everyone. On earth, he veiled his glory. In heaven, his glory is unveiled, and it's full. And God exalted him and gave him a name which is above every other name. There's no other name like the name of Jesus. As the song says, what a beautiful name. As the song said, marvelous mystery. That's what the name of Jesus is because there is power in the name of Jesus. Power to make someone submit. Someone to make them acknowledge that you are God and that I have to bow before you. I don't want to give us an opportunity to glorify God right now. For those that are able and feel they want to, when I say the name of Jesus, I'm going to give you a chance to bow on your knees before Jesus right now and right here to the glory of God. And then after that, we're going to confess together that Jesus Christ is Lord. And when we do that, we're going to be glorifying him as much as when we do it during the worship time. So if you're willing and you feel the Lord leading you right now, I'd love for you in showing respect and honor and submission to Jesus as your Lord, take a knee before him right now to the glory of God. Tell him as you're on your knee, exalt him, thank him for what he has done for you. Declare him as fully God. Declare his glory. Oh, Lord, we worship you, Jesus. To the glory of the Father, we're declaring your awesomeness. In Jesus' name, amen. Not all you had a chair like me to help push you back up. Yeah, you see, with this crowd, it's going to take a while we have to get everybody back up. No. Yeah, there we go. There, there it is. That's what the body's for, helping somebody else off the floor when they get down and they can't get back up. That's what it's all about. Amen. Now, we're together going to confess, if this is in your heart, you really believe this, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Would you say that with me? Jesus Christ is Lord. Father, would, would, would your name be exalted because your son? Isn't that cool? The Father's glorified when we worship the Son. Jesus is Lord. That name is powerful. In fact, in the book of Acts, we see a story where Peter was being followed around by this slave woman, and, and she was harassing uh, him constantly. Or, I can't remember, it was Peter or Paul. It was one of those guys. I think it was Paul. And look, look at what Paul did. In this page, I think we have right here. 
Actually, there should be a verse before that one. Did I miss it? There it is. Yeah. You know, so this woman was following him around for days. And Paul was greatly annoyed by this. And he turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus, that beautiful name, that marvelous mystery, that name that has so much power, that name that can break every chain, in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And the spirit came out of her at that very moment. The powerful name of Jesus we get to use. You know, a name represents, it's a symbol that represents all that that person is, all that they are, all that they have, all that they've done. You know, when you mention a person's name, all of a sudden your mind goes to them. It's representing the person. And when we use the name of Jesus, we're talking about the person of Jesus. And we have the right to use his name when we pray. It's powerful. We have the right to use his name when we do warfare. It's powerful. It causes demons to obey and to come out. We have the right to use his name when we speak in his behalf so that his power will accompany what we're saying. You know, it, it, when, when Peter and John were arrested, this is the other verse I was going to show you about the power of this name. They were brought before the high priest, and I love what they, this is what the high priest said. When they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire by what power or in what name have you done this? They performed a miracle saying, what name did you do this in? In other words, or in what power? They used it synonymously. They recognized that that name equated the power. What power did you use to perform this miracle? What name did you use? The name of Jesus has got power. And we don't use a gift that God has given to us in Christ, the gift to use his blood, his authority, and his name in our battle with Satan. You know, I remember uh, I was working out downstairs on my bike, and I just turned on the TV, what's on TV? And, and all of a sudden, I turned it on, and there was the, um, a, the handover from Britain to China of Hong Kong. Some of you may remember that not too long ago. And I remember watching it. There was just tremendous pomp and soldiers and government officials and bands and weapons. And it was just, just, just a gigantic thing. And what basically all they did was they took the two flags, the flag of Britain and the flag of Hong Kong that were flying. And this was the center of the whole ceremony. And they brought those flags to the bottom and in place, they put up the flag of China and a new flag for Hong Kong. And when they did that, the announcer said this, there is gigantic symbolism behind those flags. He said, you know, behind each one of those flags stands a different political nature. And you take the difference between Britain and China, I mean, talk about, you want to see differences. We see differences today between Hong Kong and China and the battles they're having because of this takeover. But we see that there was, there's great difference in their politics, in their economy, in their military, in their culture, in their laws, in their government. Each flag represented everything that was behind it. And that's what the name of Jesus does. 
it rep, it's small. Doesn't look like much. Doesn't sound like much. Name of Jesus. Jesus. I don't have to say name of Jesus. Just say Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power to break strongholds. There's powers to resist Satan. There's powers to heal. There's power in the name of Jesus. Seems small. Seems insignificant. But like those flags, so much stands behind it. So my goal today was to share with you the tools that we have. Like I said, this isn't for sermon notes. This is for daily life. And as we walk daily, we need to begin to use this. And I'm going to give you a simple way to remember it. The word ban. Ban Satan. That, that, that what resist means? I'm banning him. I'm binding him. I'm keeping him from coming. How do we ban him? Be the blood a, the authority, and the name. If you just remember, I want to ban Satan from this, you can remember the tools that God has given you as you walk through life and through the battle every day. Say with me, ban, ban. Say it again, ban, ban, ban. We want to burn that into our hearts and minds because we want to think every time I say it when I come in prayer, the blood of Jesus the authority of Jesus, and the name of Jesus. Those are three gifts that God has given to you and me that we can use to ban, resist, bind Satan from our life, from our marriage, from our relationships, from our kids, from our church, from our nation. We need to ban Satan with the blood, the authority, and the name. The best way I remember this is a movie I saw a number of years ago. One of those, I don't think they do these anymore, but Channel 9 used to have these wordless movies. Sunday afternoon after I preach, I'm like, I got nothing left. I'm good for nothing but eating and sleeping. <laughs> and I love them both. Hopefully I don't love them more than Jesus or Satan finds a place to work, correct? So here it was Sunday afternoon. I'm laying on the couch and there's this wordless movie on. They were following, a, I mean, this tells you how, they were following a mountain lion around with a camera showing it, devouring different animals and how it would attack it. And, and no words, just, just watching and the story of this mountain lion as he went around chasing after different animals and devouring them. Then all of a sudden he came across a little cub bear. You know, you got mama bear or daddy bear, then you got cubs, they're the baby bears, they're the little ones. So this lion kind of confronted this cub bear that was out playing. And all of a sudden, you know, he's growling at him and, and, and the little cub bear starts running away. And he's running away and you see this thing and you see the mountain lion going after him. Then all of a sudden you see the little cubby bear come to a corner and he stops. And the, and the, the mountain lion kind of like is standing there ready and I'm thinking, this cub is dead. You know, I kind of like cub. I like bears. I like bears and monkeys. I like them both a lot. And I was really rooting for the cub bear, but I thought, this guy's done. There's no way out of this thing. But then all of a sudden, the cub bear, who had been running away and been frightened, kind of stands up. Little cub bear, mountain lion about where Susan is. And he goes, rah, you know, as, as big as a little cub. And, I, and, I, and all of a sudden, they show the lion and the lion is backing off. 
He's cowering back. I go, what in the world's going on here? Then they move the camera. Guess who was standing behind the little cub bear? Mama bear. 10 feet tall and big and not even saying a word, just standing up. And guess what? That, uh, that mountain lion knew. Might be bigger and be able to take a little cubby bear, but he can't take mama bear. I kind of felt as I watched Gilbert be under there. That guy's got some biceps, man. <laughs> Reminds me of myself, Gilbert, when I take my shirt off. But, you know, it's kind of like, oh, so I got Gilbert standing behind me because, you know, somebody's going to mess with me. I say, hey, you're not my, go ahead. Deal with Gilbert, man. And so here we are. When we bring the name of Jesus, when we ban Satan and I bring the blood of Jesus and the authority of Jesus and the name of Jesus against Satan and his demons that are working against me, he, see, he knows that Jesus is standing behind me. He knows what it means. So as we go to communion this morning, I just want to ask you this. James 4 says this. Submit, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There's an order here. We submit first to God. Everything is yours, Lord. There's nothing left for Satan to grab. I'm bringing my life to you. It's all yours, Lord. Everything about me, I bring under your authority as God and I submit it to you. Then resist the devil, ban him, bring the blood and the authority in the name of Jesus against Satan, and guess what he'll do? He'll flee, he'll flee just like that mountain lion.